Well, we are in the book of Revelation. We are in uh, chapter 2. If you would turn there in your Bibles, we are on verse 8. Yes. On verse 8. Not many verses dealing with this little church. And uh, before we get to this little church, I just want to review real quick. The first church that he mentions here is the church to where? Ephesus, yes. And Ephesus was, uh, remember this huge town, and they had a church there, and the church uh, was a great church. It had great programs. It had great, uh, they were doing wonderful things for the community. They were uh, helping a lot of uh, people that needed help. They were recognizing people who were false and kicking them out of the church. They were keeping the church pure. We're in Revelation chapter 2. However, they had one thing that the Lord had against them, and what was that? They had lost their first love, yes. And what that really spoke to was the attitude that they did things in, remember? And that is so important, as whatever we do for the Lord, we need to realize and we need to be sure of why we are doing it. Okay, when we do things for other people, when we do any kind of ministry, when we obey our parents, when we when we do things for our spouses, when we do things for our friends or our co-workers, why are we doing that? Are we doing that because we want to feel good about ourselves? Sometimes. Are we doing that out of selfish reasons? Or are we doing that because we want to serve and because we love and because we allow God's love to flow through us? And that's really what the problem was in Ephesus. And because of that, because they did not repent from that and turn from that, they were blotted out. Their lampstand was removed. There is no church in Ephesus today. There is no town where Ephesus was today. There's a nearby town uh, in Turkey, but there is no town where Ephesus was at all. They were completely taken out of service because they refused to <laughs> repent and turn and go back to the things uh, that they did at the beginning. Now, when we get to this church, this is one of two of the seven that are special in our list here because nothing is ever said out of the mouth of the Lord against this church, which is unusual. From five of the churches, he says, I commend you for this and this and this, but, <laughs> there's that word, but I have this against you. He doesn't do that with Smyrna. And uh, there's a reason for that, and we're going to get to that. Let us uh, go ahead and read, read uh, these verses, and then we will go through them and uh, discuss them. This is the church, to the church in Smyrna. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. That's a description of Jesus, right? I'm the Alpha, the Omega. That's who we're talking about. That's who's speaking. Now, verse 9. I know your tribulation and your poverty, 
but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Persecution. This church was in the middle of persecution. They were being killed on a regular basis for their faith. They were. Let's talk first of all about the town. Give a little background. This town is 35 miles north of Ephesus. 35 miles north. There is a river that makes that town of Smyrna a port. Much like Lewiston is a port, even though we're hundreds of miles from the ocean. Uh, it, and in its day, it was a beautiful, beautiful town. It was like the Emerald of Asia. It was beautiful. Lots of temples there, of course. Greek background, Roman background. Lots of temples to the gods. Okay? To the gods. There was a temple to the emperor, to Caesar. Uh, there was... Uh, many, many different temples there that were supposed to be worshipped. Um, we're not sure how the church started there, but I believe, and I think Scripture is pretty clear, that while Paul, remember, he was in Ephesus how long? On his missionary journey? Three years. Three years, yeah. He was there three years, and it says, if you go to Acts 19, and we're going to get there in our Bible study on Monday nights, pretty quick, that uh, in that three years, the word spread from that church all throughout Asia, okay? And so this would fall into that geographically. So like as not, uh, this was a church plant, basically, out of that church in Ephesus, uh, because they were doing all the right things, right? They were doing things, and one of the things that a good church does is start other churches. They raise up people in the church that want to preach and want to lead. And they go and start other churches. That's what they do. And so that's what this church had done. And so that's most likely why this church, why and how this church started. Um, it never says that Paul went there to uh, do any teaching or anything. We don't know who went there to teach. We do not know that. But we do know that there was a church there. Now, uh, if you go there today, it is a town of about three and a half million people. It's the second largest port in all of Turkey. Anybody know the name of that city? It's called Izmir. Izmir. It's only second to Istanbul. As Istanbul would be a little bit larger. But uh, Izmir is huge. And there are still ruins there from this little town that has continued to be there all these years. This lampstand has never been taken out. And there are still Christians there today. Uh, if you go online, you can find about 250 churches that claim to be Christian churches in Izmir. I did not call them and interview them and check their doctrine. But uh, <clears throat> there is for sure 
because the missionaries who have been there, there are Christians still uh, there. And the persecution has not stopped. It's not Rome that's persecuting them and the Jews. Who's persecuting them now? Islam, yes. The Muslims are persecuting them, and they are still killing them. Little different methods. Nero and those boys uh, would do certain things to them, like boil them in oil alive. That was one of their favorites. They enjoyed that. Um, they would uh, do other things. They would uh, burn them alive at the stake. That's where the early people in this country started burning witches at the stake. They got that from the old Roman ways of taking care of people uh, that way that they didn't like. All sorts of ways. Uh, they would feed them to lions. Uh, they specifically liked to do it in ways where there wasn't a body remaining so that the Jews, so that the Christians could bury their, their dead. They didn't want them to be able to bury them because they wanted to make them suffer even further. And so instead of just killing them and letting them bury their dead, they tried to dispose of the body. Okay, they would time down in between wild dogs and let the dogs uh, destroy them. There were lots of ways that they would kill people, and uh, they killed a lot of people. Uh, estimate in the 200 years that we're talking about that Rome uh, was in charge there, from about 100 to about 300 or 312. Uh, they estimate 12 to 15 million uh, Christians killed during that time period. That's a lot of people. And uh, they were killed for their faith because they would not say uh, Caesar is God. Okay, They would not say Caesar is Lord. And uh, every year they had to do that. If you lived in, in uh, especially in Smyrna, which was a big Roman enclave there, you had to go every year and get a certificate that you had sworn allegiance to Caesar. You had said Caesar is Lord. If you chose not to do that, if you were a Christian and would refuse to do that, you were in danger. Because the Christians would say Jesus is Lord, right? Just like you and I would say. They would not say Caesar is Lord. Okay? And that's what we're warned about later in Revelation, isn't it? When the Antichrist is in power, people are going to want you to, he's going to want you to say that he is Lord. He's going to want you to take a mark that's going to make it so you can function economically. And if you don't have that mark, you won't be able to function economically. You'll be poor and destitute, and uh, you'll be in danger as well, just like this group was at Smyrna. So this is kind of a foretelling of what's going to happen here on this planet uh, when that time comes of tribulation. So... It was beautiful. Uh, it's the town of Izmir today, about three and a half million people there. <clears throat> the uh, persecutor at that time, his name was Nero. Very sad example of a person. Uh, he uh, killed his first person when he was 12, I believe. Uh, his dad had been killed. Um, he got married at 15 to a gal that was 16, killed her in a year of marriage killed at least one other wife uh, before he was 20, and then he started really killing people as he got older, but he had the power to do it. He uh, was given the rule of that area, had no repercussions for any of his actions, so he, <laughs> he went to it, 
and he was very, very wicked and very nasty to these people. Um, now the word Smyrna means myrrh. Myrrh. Where have we heard about myrrh before? Frankincense and myrrh, that's when Jesus was born, right? Those guys from this part of the world brought him gifts, right? They brought him gold, right? To help them live for the time they had to be in Egypt when they were running away so he wouldn't be killed. They gave him frankincense, right? Which is a priestly offering. Which is a priestly offering. And they gave him myrrh. Which is what they used to mask the smell of the decomposing body. Yeah, that's what they did. Now, this area was known for that. It's a thorny tree, and you take the, I'm not sure if it's berries or bark, I couldn't find that out, but if you crush it, it gives off the aroma. If you don't crush it, there's no aroma. Now, people tried to eat it, but it's incredibly bitter. Incredibly bitter. And they knew that because uh, if you look in uh, Mark 15, remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was thirsty? They gave him, it says that, that in that verse, wine mixed with myrrh, that's right. And it tasted so nasty he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it. Okay, they were mocking him. And so that's two places we hear about myrrh. We hear about myrrh a couple other places. But it is, it gives off this wonderful smell only when it is crushed, which is perfect for this group of people who were being crushed by persecution and to the point of death, to the point of death. All right, let's go and start walking through these verses as a little background. Any other questions about the town or anything? Everybody okay? Beautiful town. However, uh, they were much into worship of other gods. And there was a big Jewish enclave there, big Jewish group of people, and they become a huge problem, don't they? Now, remember, every church is introduced by a description of Jesus. It comes from chapter 1. And here he says, I am the, the words of the Alpha and the Omega. We've heard that before, the first and the last. Uh, always was, always will be. That is meant to be an encouragement to those people. Okay, The one who is talking to you, the one who has saved you, the one you are serving, has always been and always will be. Okay, And because you are one of his, you always will be from now on. You'll be eternally with him if you stay with him. And so that's an encouragement. And then the one who died, he did, he died, and he came back to life. And same thing will happen to us. Okay, there will be a day, if the Lord tarries, that all of us will die. We are all terminal. Our bodies will die, but our spirits will not. Okay, our souls will still be alive with him. Just as his body died, but his spirit did not die. The eternal God part of him did not die. Okay, it it is the power that raised him. It tells us that in Hebrews. When we went through Hebrews. It says that the power that brought him here, that was the power that raised him. Okay, that's his God power. He always was and always will be God. Now, <clears throat> the Jews didn't believe that. 
And so they made their life miserable. Look at verse 9. It says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. Well, why were they poor? Think about that. They lived in a society that hated them. Why would they hire them? Why would they uh, visit their business? Why would they buy anything from them? Why would they encourage them? They wouldn't. Economically, they were sunk. Okay? They were persecuted economically big time. Nobody would come to their shop. They couldn't build anything for anybody because they were hated. They were ostracized because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And that's incredible. Uh, we've seen that in our country, haven't we? People like Chick-fil-A, companies like that, that stand up for God, get persecuted. They get torn up in the press. They get torn. They get lawsuits. They get all kinds of things. You know, the, the chapel up in Coeur d'Alene refused to marry same-sex couple. Shut them down. Pulled their license. The county shut them down. Okay? They were not allowed to make any more money. Okay, because of their Christian belief. This is not something new that's happening here. This has always been, and it will continue to be. And the longer you live as a Christian, and the closer you get to the Lord, the more you will feel separated from the world. We lived in a little town called Genesee for 20 years almost, and we were never part of the town. Okay. Our kids played sports there, went to school there, but we were not in the group. We just weren't. They had their parent meetings at the at the wine bar. That's where they met. And they would all sit around and drink. And then they'd, they'd agree once they were all drunk. <laughs> you know, no reason to fight when you're all drunk, I guess. So they, that's how they made their decisions. And we would get an email or we'd get a little letter that said, oh, by the way, you have to pay 80 bucks for your kids' warm-ups for basketball. We decided to get them on the warm-ups. Okay? We were never in on those decisions because we were not part of the group because our Christian beliefs didn't allow us to do those things that they did to make those decisions. So that happens. And the longer you live, the more you'll find that in your own life. Uh, if you got into the Lord, and you gave your heart to the Lord to feel like you were part of the world and you are going to be famous and, and wonderful on this planet, you, you're in the wrong place. Okay? You have people sitting in this room that love you and would die for you. Okay, You have that. They don't have that out there. Those people at the wine bar wouldn't die for each other. But we have that here because of the love that God gives us and the sacrificial love we have for others. But it's not going to be a popularity thing uh, is not going to be. And if somebody got you into the Lord for that reason, they lied to you. Okay, That's not what it's about. It's about serving others and about becoming more and more like Christ. And Jesus himself told us what? They hated me. Guess what? They're going to despise you. Okay? It's just going to happen. So if you don't have people that don't like you, you're not living right. That's kind of a strange thought, isn't it? But if we're living properly, there are going to be people that be people that get mad at us. It's just going to happen. So I know your tribulation, your poverty. 
But once again, like you talked about already today, is it things and money that makes a person rich? No. Jesus himself says here, you are rich. You are rich. Now he's going to say to another church, the church of Laodicea here, over in the end of chapter 3, he's going to say, you guys think you are wealthy? You've got it all together? You're all rich? You're all driving the best cars around or the best chariots around? <laughs> Have the nicest camels? But guess what? You're blind, naked, and poor. Because you're not spiritually rich. And we, you know, that's what he was talking about. He's talking about we want to be rich here and have all these things, and guess what? They're all going to burn. They all break down. A tree could fall on them. <laughs> okay? I mean, a fire can take them. Uh, they can start to rot. They can, anything can happen. A tornado can blow them clear out of the county. Okay? They are not what makes a person rich. Only what we do for the Lord and what we store up in heaven that makes us rich. And that's why he says, you are rich, even though financially you're very, very poor. And then he says, I know the slander of those. And that word means the pressure. The pressure. That's why he had this town named Smyrna. Because he knew when you crush that myrrh, it gave off this great aroma. Okay, They are being crushed, and they're showing God's beautiful aroma in that community. That's what's happening here. He knows the, the pressure that they are under. And the, those, and the slander of those who say they're Jews but are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. That's a pretty offensive statement. Okay? <laughs> it is. And what that says is that any church or any group of religious people that are not true and do not believe in Jesus Christ as the risen Son of God who saved you from your sins, they're a church of who? Yeah, there's no in-between here, is there? There's no saying, well, they're nice people, and they have nice, they're kind to each other, and they're really, no, uh, uh, uh. they're satanic. If they are not believing in Jesus Christ as God. The Jews believed in God, didn't they? God the Father, their God, not in Jesus Christ, not in his Son, not in Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. So because of that, they would actually turn them in. And there was a Roman bounty on the head of a Christian. And if you <clears throat> turned in a Christian, uh, you got 10% of everything they owned. They owned a home or they owned anything, you would get that as a bounty. And then Rome would take the rest of their stuff. And uh, they wouldn't have anything because they'd kill those people, okay, typically. And so there was a bounty. And so that's why it says the Jews were their worst enemy. The Jews turned them in. Turned them in. They narked on them all the time. And they did that. And you, we started seeing that happen at the beginning of this quote-unquote pandemic, didn't we? We'd have a group of people get together at a house, and the neighbors would call the health department and say, look, you got to come and break this up because this is going on. Okay? Tattling. <laughs> what we had in school in the first and second, third grade, tattling continues, doesn't it? 
That's what the Jews were doing here. They were tattling on the Christians. And we had that in our country already, where people were tattling on each other for breaking little suggestions from the governor and the mayor. Okay, So that is not new either. And that will continue, and it will get worse. They are a synagogue of Satan. Wow. Wow. I don't know what more I can say, other than the fact that uh, when people say that they love God, you have other people come up to you, you have Muslims come up to you, you have Hindus come up to you, and they tell you that they love God. And uh, you see on the news when the Pope is embracing all of those people and saying that they all are going to the same God. That is satanic, folks. That is straight out of Satan's mouth. And he is pushing that. That is not scripturally true at all. So when you hear people say that, call them out on it. Because it's not it's not real. It's oh, satanic. Yeah. You need to know, find out what they think about Jesus. So, do not fear. Obviously, they were afraid. It says, do not fear of what you're about to suffer. Behold, leaders of other denominations are about to throw you into prison. Is that what it says? Governors and rulers. Does it say that? No. Does it say mayors and... <laughs> no. Judges, no. It says, who does it? Satan, the devil does it. That's right. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison. And you may be tested. That you may be tested. When do people grow? When do people grow? When they fall. When they fail, right? That's when you grow. Yeah. When you go through hard times. The only way I learned to obey my parents was through pain. Was through pain. Okay, usually applied to the padded area that I sit on. Okay, I had to have pain or I never would have obeyed my mother. I wouldn't. I would have spit in her face to this day. But because I was trained as a child through pain, I learned to respect her. Okay. That's what we're told to do in Scripture when we have children, is to teach them to respect and obey. Okay, that's what we're told to do. And we do, we're told that because we love our children, right? And the reason God tests his people and puts them through difficult times is because he loves us. And he wants to make us strong. Now, this is the point I'm going to bring in right now, and that is that God has nothing against this, this church, does he? That's because all the people who infiltrate churches, who are halfway in, were gone. Right? They're gone. I heard a story this week of uh, Corey Tenboom, who was meeting one time when they were hiding people in their home, and two Russian uh, soldiers came in and said, anybody who, uh, what, is, what did they say? Anybody who is not willing to die for their God needs to leave right now. 
they had their guns loaded. And a number of people left the room, and the Russians looked around and said, okay, now I know I'm with Christians. We're, we're, we're actually Christians too. We want a fellowship with you guys. Isn't that a great story? Yeah. And Corey told that as she went around and talked to churches about her experience. And so that, that there's nobody left that is faking it here. There's nobody in this church that isn't willing to die for their faith. They've been purified. There you go. And you will find that true if you start studying missionaries around the world. Those places in the world that have the harshest persecution, the Middle East, China, a lot of those places, India, places in India, they have the strongest and the most growth in salvation and in, in the people given the hearts of Jesus. They do. They meet in little places like this. They have guards blocks away with cell phones, and they have their own little system where they can be guarded because people come in and take them, put them in prison, and kill them. But they are on fire for God, and they are being purified, and they are salt. Okay, they don't wish you. They don't wish you watching. They are at every meeting. They don't skip church. Okay, that's their that's their breath. That's their sustenance. That's what keeps them alive. Is their faith. And we in America have not been there yet, but it's coming. And I see it coming. You see it coming. You see that kind of persecution coming. And I pray it doesn't happen here before the Lord comes, <laughs> but it could. <coughs> now, you, we need to be ready. You need to be ready if you were asked uh, whether you would rather die or say that, you know, somebody is God who isn't. Okay? If they ask you that question, what are you going to say? You need to think about it. Um, because it tells a lot about where you are with your relationship with Jesus. It says a lot. Right here, it says everything, really. Um, you are going to suffer. Um, you're going to be tested, obviously, for 10 days. I don't know what that means. I couldn't find anybody that knows what that means because nobody knows what it means. It could mean uh, that there was going to be a 10-day period when many of them were going to be put in prison. It could mean that they were going to be put in for a sentence of 10 days. We don't know. Other places in the New Testament and the Old Testament, that phrase is used, and it means a short period of time. Okay, so that's kind of the way I look at it. I look at it for a short period of time, you're going to be tested. Well, that's until you die, okay, because they're still being tested in his mirror today. And this is thousands of years later. They're still being tested. And they are still holding up. There are still Christians there. Uh, they keep multiplying. And the more they kill, the more they're, they come up. Okay? Because it strengthens their faith. A rash that will not go It will not go away. Satan will not win. Um, be faithful even unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Wow. Wow. I need to tell you about a guy by the name of Polycarp. Ever heard of him? He's an amazing guy. He was around when John was there pastoring. 
in uh, Ephesus. And he went into church leadership in his 20s. He matured quickly and was a natural born leader. And he became the head pastor uh, in Smyrna. We know that from history. And uh, we know that in AD 155, which is when he was 86 years old, so we're talking 50, 60 years now, that he's been pastoring in Smyrna and avoided death, avoided being killed. Uh, we are told from history that he was like number 12 of pastors in Smyrna that had been killed by the Romans publicly on purpose. And the story of Polycarp is so famous because of what he said when he was put on the stake. We'll get to that. Uh, in that year of 155, they were having their athletic games. It was in the spring, and there were a lot of people in town, and they were all excited, and they were all drinking, and they were all having a party. And somebody hollered out, hey, let's go get Polycarp and kill her. Well, that sounded great to them. That'd be kind of fun. Let's go kill somebody. Sounds kind of like Portland and L.A. and D.C. today. New York. And New York. And so they said, yeah, it's a great idea. So they found a girl that worked in the church. They tortured her, a young girl, and she told him where he was. Now, he had had a dream, uh, a vision, days before, and he told the people in his church, I'm going to get burned to death. That's what they're going to do. They're going to kill me by burning me someday. I know that's coming, because uh, he had awoken, and his pillow, he had dreamed that his pillow was on fire and was burning. And so he told his people already, and so sure enough, they come and they haul him away. Well, the, the guard who came to get him, the Roman guard that came to get him, talked to him on the way and said, hey, Polycarp, I've known you a long time. You're a great guy. He's 86 years old. You're a great guy. Why don't you, it's not going to hurt you. Just one time. When you get there, just say, Caesar's Lord, fine, and they'll leave you alone. Well, I don't want you to die. you got to say that, man. It's, it's easy to do. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? All you got to do is just go along with everybody else. It's not going to hurt you. You know, it's no big deal. God will understand. It's okay. Just go along with whatever they're doing. It's no big deal. Just accept people for who they are. Just accept that. Well, Polycarp was not willing to do that. So sure enough, they brought him to the town square, and they had, had people had been bringing wood from their shops, and they piled up their wood and put a stake up in the middle of it, and they put him up there to tie him to the stake, and they said, you don't need to tie me to the stake. I have no problem standing here. They said, oh, come on. Just say it one time. Say it one time, and we'll let you go. They said it in public, and he said, look, his famous words were, for 80 and 6 years, the Lord has been my God. He has never let me down. This is a Carlson paraphrase. You can look it up and read the exact words. There were many, many accounts of this. He said, for 80 and 6 years, God has been my rock. What he actually said, that's true. He said, how can I refuse him? How can I blaspheme him? I'm honored to die for him. You threaten me with flames that will last but a short time. I'm here to tell you, you will spend eternity in the flames. 
said it right to him. You won't spend eternity in the flames for doing this. And you threaten me with flames for a short time? It's not even a contest. I'm honored to die for my God. Set the flames, and he burned. Stood there, right there. Now, there are other accounts that say that he was stabbed. You'll read that in some of the accounts if you go study this. Um, one of them, I believe, was from a, one sect that said that when he uh, didn't touch him, that was some kind of miraculous thing, but I don't believe that's true. I think he, the accounts that I read that I believe are that he stood there and took it and was an example. And he still, to this day, is remembered for that, for his example, that he stood there and took it. He did not give in. He did not betray his Lord. That's the they ended up not binding him, right? Yeah, they didn't bind him. They didn't tie him up. He didn't need to be tied. But I'm not going to run. I'm honored to die for my Lord. Uh, that is uh, a great example for us. I'm not saying it's going to happen today or tomorrow. I don't know when. I don't know God's timeline. But I do know that there are signs in this country of people who are wanting to do that. Two Christians. There are pastors who've been put in jail already. And uh, there are signs of this kind of thing coming. And we need to be prepared. God gives us this as, as a preparation for us, as a warning for us. Okay? That the power of Satan is strong and he is gaining strength and he is trying to kill us. Trying to get rid of our witness. And we're going to be persecuted. We are. In this country, like I said, sitting here, it doesn't seem like it, does it? You know, we can go do whatever we want, and we're still free for the most part. And uh, compared to other places in the world, we have it really, really fantastic. But there are signs that it's coming here. And we can't forget our brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering just like Smyrna today. Saudi Arabia. Start studying Saudi Arabia. Africa. Start studying China. There's a big hoopla in the news right now. People, Christians, uh, Christian leaders are boycotting Disney. Not for some of the reasons in the past, but for this new movie called Mulan. Have you heard about the movie Mulan? They taped it in China. They recorded it in China. Not far from a camp where they are storing Christians, where they have them in prison. I just did Kristen Ongesson's hair, and she, they've been in China for, I don't know, in the last 12, 15 years. Really? And a lot of those camps, they're persecuting the Muslims, even worse than the Christians. Yeah, they're killing Muslims, too. Oh, yeah. But they are harvesting a lot of organs out of that them. is a, the Wulong Gong, they're like a, I can't remember what they're, they're a cult, but they are very pure. Uh-huh. And so they persecute that particular cult because they eat only the purest food. And, and so they're the healthiest people in China. And so that's why they, they go after like all religions, all faiths, but they go after them because they're the purest blood and organs. Right. 
when they harvest their organs. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have to wait that long in China for a kidney. Because they just go out and take one out of a Muslim or a Christian or somebody. Yeah. And uh, in this country, you got to wait a long time. Because someone has to die who has a healthy kidney that matches you. Okay. Um, or somebody has to offer to give you their kidney, a relative or whatever. But over there, they just go harvest it, pop it in. And uh, it's, it's happening today, okay, right now. And uh, that's happening in our world. So we need to pray for those brothers and sisters who are living in that kind of persecution. We can't forget them. We need to pray for strength for them, that they'll have the strength to stand up and, and not cave. Up open doors. Open doors. Yeah. Look up martyrs, letters of the martyrs. Um, Fox There's the a book of martyrs. Fox's book of martyrs talks about good. a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So <clears throat> it's a warning for us, brothers and sisters, and that's what we're. That's what I'm here to do today through this little short number of verses, is to warn us that this is coming, and to be aware that God is with us. Okay. God is with us. And I'll just leave you with verse beginning of verse number 9. It says, I know. He says that just about every time he talks to a church, doesn't he? Do you think God knows what's going on in your life? Yep. Do you think God cares what's going on in your life? Yep. Absolutely. Do you think God has a plan for what's going to happen in your life? Yes. yes, he does. We can't forget that. Sometimes we think we make our own plans. Sometimes we think we know better. But that's right, brother. We need to always depend on what he has for us. Because he knows. No one else knows. No one else knows. So we can trust him. We can trust him. And I challenge you to trust him. With your life, even unto death. Even unto death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you for this message from these few verses as uh, you wrote to this precious little group of, of your kids from Smyrna. What an example for us. What an example there, Pastor Polycarp and other pastors. We know of at least 12 that were murdered like this because they refused to give up their faith. And yet, Lord, you gave them, as the ends of this says, you gave them uh, a crown, a crown of life, eternal life with you. And, Father, even though we die physically, we know that we will not die the second death, which is the spiritual death, and be separated from you for eternity, like those who refuse to believe who refuse to give their life over to you and will spend eternity in the lake of fire, separated from anything good. I pray that that would drive us and that that would give us motivation to speak to those that we know who are lost. That they might hear, perhaps in a new way, for the first time, of your love for them. I pray that you would use us in that way, that we could be your instruments 
to plant that seed or to water that seed in the life of someone that we care about and we love. Help us to be bold. Help us to be bold. And Father, we do pray for your return. We pray that you would send Jesus back here and gather us up out of here and end this world that continues to get more and more evil. Father, if that be your will soon, we would like that. And if not, I pray that we would have the strength to endure and to live for you and to uh, love you even unto death, Lord, if it comes to that. You are our life. You are the bread, so we're never hungry. You give us water so we never thirst. And we praise you for that. We love you. Be with each one now as we go out into the world and serve you this week. Thank you. Thank you for your love for each one. In Jesus' name.